You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. Elliot Rockowitz Roberts, Vice President Robinson Jeffers Torhouse Foundation, coordinator of the Big Read, the poetry of Robinson Jeffers, uh, also chair of the board of the Henry Miller Library. Well, thank you for talking to me, Elliot. And what Elliot did not tell you is that he is also a fine, fine poet in his own right. Um, tell me when you first got word of the decision from the National Endowment for the Arts about the Big Read covering Jeffers' poetry. We were invited to apply because the I think it was uh, something that uh, Chairman Dana Joya, chairman of the NEA, uh, had in mind because he is a, a very strong supporter of Jeffers' poetry. And so I think he envisioned that. He, he started out um, having poets included in the Big Read series uh, especially poets who were associated with partic- particular locales. And so he started with Henry Wordsworth Wa- uh, Longfellow, Wordsworth Longfellow on the East Coast, uh, and then Jeffers, both of whom, both poets, of course, have strong ties to geographic places. And so Jeffers was a natural uh, for the West Coast because of his closeness with uh, Tor House and with the Carmel Coast. And so we essentially we were invited to uh, to apply for a, a special chairman's grant, uh, which we did, and it was very exciting to us because it was a, we felt it was a wonderful way to get the word out into the community about Jeffers, and also to have people reading Jeffers' poetry, uh, which uh, we felt would just be a, a wonderful opportunity for our community. Well, I wonder if you could. Do you have any idea how many events you have? Uh, orchestrated and organized over these, what, six weeks now or so? Well, actually, it's about four weeks, and you know, I, I really don't know. Um, I haven't counted them up, but there <coughs> there are a... Uh, and actually, you know, it's not so much that I've orchest- orchestrated them, but as, as that people have come forward once they heard about this. And, uh, and actually... Um, the public events that we're doing are only the half of it because there's a whole part of it which ha- which doesn't show up on our calendar. Um, but for example, on our public calendar, uh, we were approached by the um, uh, Chris Winfield Gallery in Carmel because uh, David Lagar was going to be doing a uh, have an exhibit there called "A Sense of Place: A Homage to Robinson Jeffers," and so he asked us, uh, you know, to to uh, he wanted to be a part of the big read uh, and that opening. Uh, and it was, and in fact, uh, he later uh, told me that it was the largest um, gathering of people he'd had for an opening in the history of the Winfield Gallery. So that was pretty amazing. And then um, Amy Essick, who is on the board of the Center for Photographic Arts, uh, thought of a wonderful idea of having photographers respond to the poetry of Jeffers. So she kind of organized that, and I worked with her, and we ended up with 37 local photographers uh, submitting photographs in response to Jeffers' poems or lines from poems, and that show was curated by uh, Kim Weston. So uh, there, were, there were people just kind of coming out and, and you know wanting to be part of the Big Read and, and suggesting programs which I hadn't thought of. 
And, but I, you know, I, I don't know the actual number of the, the public programs, but we've had, uh, just we just finished a public program at MPC with uh, Jeffers Poetry and Dance. So we, and, and Kim Weston did a workshop uh, on uh, Weston photography and also Jeffers Poetry because the two had a relationship. Let me ask you about the dance and, and about some of this integration among the arts. Um, I was uh, fortunate enough to see that dance performance uh, and it was, it was really fascinating. One of, the, one of the reasons I really wanted to be there was to see how you integrated um, the poetry and the dance. And I'm, I'm wondering, uh, is that something that you are very interested in? And I'm, uh, question number two, uh, what does it take for that to be successful? Do you need just innovative ideas? Do you need the right pairing of uh, either um, mediums or, or perhaps um, whatever within that medium to, to line up? Uh, how did you feel about what, what went on with the dance and the poetry? Well, I, you know, I've done, with my own poetry, I've done things with um, uh, music uh, uh, where I worked with a composer and I would listen to his music and then pair my poems with it. And it's, it's an intuitive process, totally, when you're dealing with uh, the interplay between the arts. And I wrote a piece for the photographers because many of the photographers uh, had no idea about how to respond, you know, how their photograph, how, you know, what to do in terms of their photographs and the poetry. And what I su suggested was that they, you know, they, they, read, it, they read the poetry, uh, find a line or a phrase or just the whole poem or a feeling from a poem, which somehow they felt uh, related to their, their photographs, and then to select that photograph and tie it up with the, with the uh, poetry. And actually the results were just remarkable. I mean, it's, the exhibit is still on. It'll be on through the end of the year at the Center for Photographic Arts at the Sunset Center in Carmel. And it's just exceptional to read the poems and then to uh, look at the photographs. And there, I mean, it's, it's just there's, you know, there's something that clicks and you, you, you can't always explain it. I mean, it's, it's not a literal, uh, you know, uh, exchange between the two. And dance uh, was kind of interesting because we let all the dance teachers know that this is what we wanted to do. We wanted to somehow have integrate the two. And many dance teachers just said, well, you know, I, I don't really have an interest in it. But others um, uh, were really uh, wonderfully interested, like uh, Laura uh, Eckhard uh, of MPC. And she actually, uh, yeah, Monterey Peninsula College, and she actually choreographed her piece integrating five Jeffers poems into the piece uh, so that the, the poems were actually a part of the dance piece. And so, and it worked, uh, from what everyone tells me, it worked very, very well. That was my, actually, my favorite piece, uh, I think, of the night. It was, it was really fascinating to see what was going on there. And I, and I agree with you that it, you can't always really articulate what the connection is, but it's, yeah, it's there. And <coughs> and a good example of that is um, there was the, the second piece was a, a classical ballet. Uh, two of the dance teachers um, uh, were uh, were doing a classical ballet, and it was to Ave Maria was the music behind it. And <coughs> the one of the dance teachers, Deanna Ross, she w said that she wanted uh, the first section of Jeffers' Der Rerum Vertute, and. That first section of Durer and Vertute, 
uh, talks about the uselessness of man's thoughts and ends up looking at um, the brain as just an, you know, after one has died as, a, you know, a blown out eggshell, an empty, you know, an empty bubble, a blown out eggshell. And then suddenly you go into this exquisitely beautiful uh, and graceful duet between these two dancers. And so I asked her, I said, you sure you didn't want part four of Dear Aaron for two day, which talks about the beauty of things and how beautiful everything is. She said, no, I want part one. And I, I didn't ask her why she wanted part one, but I think uh, she was very clear about what she wanted and what she saw in her mind in terms of the relationship between the poem and what was going to follow. And so it was more kind of like an antithetical, like a, a reaction to rather than a coordination to. Uh, but the more I, uh, the more I kind of listened, well, read the poetry and then saw the dance, the more I began to see these connections. And, you know, it's all, uh, and, and I chose the poems just intuitively, uh, and uh, and many of them worked kind of, except I thought, exceptionally well. They were really, uh, although at first it seems difficult to see what is the connection here between this poem, but if you start thinking, then y it's all over. You're never going to get anywhere. You just have to kind of follow y your intuitive sense and it seemed to work very, very well. Well, tell us where your passion for Jeffers begins. Where do you meet him? Where do I meet him? Well, it's hard to say. I mean, I've, I'm a docent to Tour House also, and so I go on tours and recite Jeffers' poetry, and maybe that's where I meet him. That's where uh, kind of I feel just the music of his poetry, and because you're right there and you can see where the poetry comes from the actual source, the actual landscape it comes from. And I think where I, well, I meet Jeffers at, at various points. One is, is just the music of his poetry. Once you begin to learn to recite Jeffers' poetry, uh, you begin to realize how uh, incredibly crafted it is and how uh, carefully it's crafted. Uh, a lot of people have criticized Jeffers' uh, poetry because they feel it's kind of just this chaotic free verse but in fact, it's it's an, it's incredibly skillfully crafted, and so it's just that that music of his poetic line, which always amazes me, uh, and also in his longer narrative poems. I mean, for me, after three lines of poetry, I'm totally in. Somehow, he has this amazing ability to get the reader totally involved in the narrative after the shortest period of time, and so that that's just what amazes me about his poetry as well. Hmm. Uh, well, I'm wondering, what have you learned new <laughs> uh, after, after this big read, after going to classrooms and working with students, after doing readings, after hosting readings uh, in various places, being up on that stage with the dancers, uh, reading between pieces there, on and on and on. What what after all this time has come at you that maybe surprised you or that you've learned from others hearing Jeffers? Well, lots of things that I've learned. One is never do this again. <laughs> just too much. Uh, I mean, it was just exciting just to, you know, once uh, the ideas started coming in for the different events, I mean, it was just kind of a kick to get all these things going and doing them. Um, you know, I l uh, and, and also sometimes it's difficult because you don't have uh, an audience that, that 
Jeffords can necessarily really work for. So it was very difficult sometimes working with high school students who are non-native speakers, also whose cultural experience is totally different from Jeffers. And uh, so I really had to modify things. I actually learned how to be very adaptive uh, and and not to think like I'm just coming in front of people who are going to really respond to Jeffers very positively and very openly, but to realize that uh, he's a very difficult poet for many, many people, especially younger people. Uh, And so, but, but also... These la- this last week, I mean, I've just been having a gas of a time because we have this, uh, we've done Jeffers the Irish Connection where, with a fiddler and a guitarist and Jeffers Poetry and they play Irish uh, tunes because Una uh, Jeffers played Irish tunes on her uh, piano and melodeon was very much devoted to Ireland. Uh, and that's just been such a joy. I mean, these, the uh, uh, John Weed, the guitarist, and Stu Mason, I'm sorry, the fiddler and Stu Mason, the guitarist, are just spectacular musicians so it's just an incredible honor to work with them and uh, uh, it's just fun I mean they're just having a a great time (laughs) and the same thing with the dance Uh, just fun working uh, with the people and having and the students were were wonderful I gave them copies of Jeffers poetry and uh, they came back to you know talk about it the next day and so there was a, a real kind of responsiveness and just a kind of wonderful creative energy that was taking place all along well, take me back to the classroom for just a minute. Uh, you taught for 32 years, college level English. Obviously, more than that. Ah. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> well, um, you know, there you are. I'm assuming already teaching Jeffers in in during that time. Um, how have you changed your approach to him or have you changed your approach to him from yeah over the over the years do you think that you have um changed the way you present him in a classroom well it would be be, you know it would be different presenting jeffers in a college classroom so like when i went to uh deanna garcia's uh class uh creative writing class at um, cal state University of Monterey Bay, uh, you know, I could just talk Jeffers. I could, I could ch- talk the poetry, and the students were, were, had been well-versed in Jeffers and were, uh, you know, uh, aware of him and of his work and responsive to him. So I could, I could teach one way there. But when I went to the high schools, sometimes I'd walk into a classroom and the teacher really hadn't prepared the students at all. And so it was, okay, I've got to start from kind of ground zero. And so, it, you know, it just depends upon the people in front of me uh, and how I approach it. Um, So, and and the same thing, like we did a wonderful, Diana Garcia and I did a wonderful poetry writing workshop uh, in Salinas at Cesar Chavez Library. And it was a very, very diverse group. And we were doing actually Jeffers and uh, Pablo Neruda. And fortunately we had uh, wonderful translations of Jeffers into Spanish. So we were able to do the English and the Spanish and Neruda in the English and Spanish. But when we got to, to kind of get the students to write, we couldn't really use Jeffers. He's just too, there are just not too many points in Jeffers where you can key off of, because of the complexity of his poetry, uh, to get students really writing. At least I found that. Um, and if someone else can find an easy way to do it, I'd love to see it. Uh, but Neruda was wonderful because we just went, to, we, we talked about the difference in the way Jeffers and Neruda thought of things 
And for Jeffers, things were things in the natural world. Uh, and Neruda talks about things which are made uh, by humans and have that human imprint on them. And so he has all these wonderful, he has an ode to common things, but he also has all these odes to wonderful things like his dog, his cat, his socks. So we, uh, we used that as a starting point. We read uh, Ode to My Socks in English and Spanish, and then we had the students write an ode to something, went around the room, and also talking about Jeffers. So one person wrote an ode to the moon, another person ode to my crystal, and one, one, one man who'd never written a poem before uh, and uh, was, uh, only spoke Spanish uh, did an ode to coffee. <laughs> and it was the first poem he ever wrote, and it was beautiful. It was just absolutely wonderful. Uh, but you couldn't, you couldn't do that with Jeffers. You couldn't um, be very, very difficult to uh, get people involved in writing really quickly using Jeffers. Uh, so, because Jeffers is really kind of a very sophisticated and complex poet. Uh, well, that's not to say Neruda isn't, but Neruda has lots of poetry which is readily accessible. Well, as you're um, alluding to, certainly for many people in the community, this might be their first exposure to Jeffers, and potentially their only. And I'm just curious, where does that leave us? You know, exposure is enough for what? How, how do you view that, or how do you see that? If, if that's the only time they're going to come in contact with this poet or, or this idea uh, of poetry, even. Is that okay? Does that work? Sure. Anything works. <laughs> Whatever happens works. Uh, what you hope happens is that, <coughs> excuse me, what you hope happens is that people hear the poetry and then get excited about Jeffers and then go out and read Jeffers. And uh, so I've had, uh, well, a number of cases where people have said they really haven't heard of Jeffers or they've never read Jeffers. In fact, there's an example. There was a, a teacher who um, is teaching uh, in adult ed for, uh, for um, uh, Monterey Peninsula College. Um, and uh, she never kind of went close to Jeffers because she felt that, uh, you know, he was just too dark and too negative. And then uh, after working with Jeffers, she suddenly changed her whole view. And now is teaching, got so excited about Jeffers, she's teaching Jeffers in all her classes. And in fact, we, the Big Read gave her books to give her students be, uh, so that she could get them turned on to Jeffers. So there are, you know, I mean, there are cases like that. And there are cases where people, you know, will be exposed to Jeffers and just not respond to him. And there's no way to really, uh, you know, be certain what's going to happen or when. But I think a, a great number of people have kind of, uh, like a lot of the photographers had never really read Jeffers before, and then suddenly they're reading him, and now they're really excited about him. And the same thing with the dancers. I mean, those, none of those dancers in the little group I was working with had read Jeffers, and they were really excited after having read him. Well, thank you so much for talking with me. My pleasure. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. <laughs>